still watch what's TV in the olden ways. However, the, the second part ways, <laughs> by shoveling coal into the back of it. <laughs> yeah, get the winding it up. Yeah, get the generator going. <laughs> I want to hear the wireless. <laughs> Welcome to the Media Week podcast, the podcast made for media people by media people. Don't worry, we're not your CEOs just yet. We're your common media folk in the weeds of the day to day. Each episode, we'll share opinions on hot topics in the media world, along with some bents to keep you going on a Friday afternoon. So who's in the room? It's me, your host, Harriet from Publicis, Jack from Craft. Hello. Buki from Wavemaker. Hello. But not Charlie anymore. One is coming. <laughs> I love when you go to these ad libs. Are you, are you saying that like the Queen would say? No. Yes, okay. it's on, the, on yeah, his okay. way. Oh, anyway, okay. in today's episode, we'll discuss the media black hole of Black Friday. Dun dun dun. But first. In social. TikTok is closing the revenue gap with Meta, with a trade source reporting a far higher growth rate. Yes, that's right, holding company ByteDance's revenue has reportedly reached $29 billion uh, in Q2. Are we surprised? I'm not shocked because when I was looking into this a little bit deeper, because obviously with the growth of TikTok being what it is when you look at it versus all the other kind of social medias, but ByteDance, do you know who they own? Do you know who else comes under the bite dance? Isn't that like Sheen? Sheen, Temu and CapCut. And I'm thinking that is actually so clever from them because what they've done, they've built an entire ecosystem. Mm. So like most of the most of the videos you see on TikTok, people use CapCut to make them. So they have the video editing software, they have the place where you're posting it, and then they have cheap stuff on Temu and cheap stuff on Sheen that people buy and wear in these videos that they post. So, I mean, I'm not particularly shocked. Yeah, I mean, all of the like clothing production is literally linked to trends from TikTok. So it's, it's like all an interwoven web. But the, the thing is, like, if you then compare that to Meta, obviously, like, Meta is, is you know, comparatively a legacy channel. But the real thing that's going to be driving the revenues up more than anything will be the fact that it's, it is video first and sound on, whereas Meta is like... You know, for years, it's been the best practice on Meta for your creation of your assets is sound off first. And that's just, it's not great, is it? So, Well, we'll talk more about ByteDance's other companies in the, the main section. But moving on. Ooh, that's exciting. Ooh. In industry news, ding dong, CMOs are dead, apparently. <laughs> We released an episode previously where we explained what we would do as CMOs of companies. Stop laughing, Jack. Sorry, that's just the delivery of that. That's hilarious. No, the Media Week podcast isn't on a CMO cull, but a professor of marketing at NYU has reportedly said that CMOs who don't evolve roles away from advertising and media budgets will be. He sounds like a long-time listener of the podcast. <laughs> well, meaning we're all out of future jobs before we've even got there. Devastating. Lol. Nah, this guy, this guy had me up and like I was thinking about this because when I was reading through it, I was just like, I don't agree. And then I was like, I do agree. And then I was just like, okay, Mr. Galloway, what do you think firstly, actually? I want to hear what you say. Well, it's just if anyone declares anything dead and says that this is the end of that, then usually it's just not the case. I mean, sorry, I, yeah. Well, he's reportedly said that CMOs will need to be less like the, quote, mad men that they currently are and more like supply chain bosses. Question is, do we agree that current CMOs are working like mad men? 
I don't, no? I don't think so at all. I think I think he might be referring to CMOs already of the past. I think it was almost clickbaity to put it in this way because it's not true. I think every job and every role, if they don't evolve, it will become obsolete. Like that's just a standard statement. Saying it's like the Mad Men thing just implies sort of drunken philandering men in suits. <laughs> well, I, I mean, think that's what he was implying, does. if oh, I'm right, completely okay. honest. Well, I'd but not met many of those. I mean... I think we're not, I say we're not as if we're the CMOs, but I don't think that's the case. No, um, I don't think so either. in other news, which relates to this, leaders are adopting a new approach to operating. So Campaign reported recently on WPP's restructure which is in full force as Group M confirms its agencies, Essence Mediacom, Wavemaker, M6 and Partners and Mindshare will no longer be responsible for their own budgets as of next year. So this means that WPP's budgets and resources will be allocated solely on a country by country basis. So WPP has always operated a country level PNL, but the CEO is working to ensure that the company operates more like a tech company, which essentially will enable centralized access to specific tools. No, explain this to me, right? This so is why we're not CMOs yet. Yeah, guys. I mean, like this is <laughs> this why is this is why, this is why like net, network agency sort of like. So basically, none of the agencies are going to be able to control their own budgets. No, resources will be allocated on a country by country basis, okay, which wow. I'm not sure is any different to how other agencies are operating. Do you, yeah, what do you, in what that, do you they think... did say it follows what kind of publicists have already kind of done. So exactly. I think there's a lot of agencies what kind of you, moving along this way. What do you guys think that will mean for the average Joe at the media coalface? Or will it just be sort of same shit, different? Dress. I was going to say, I don't think that means much. There's obviously commercial reasons to do this that, like we say, sit way above our pay grade. I wouldn't dream of commenting because we ain't CMOs yet, you, we ain't COOs yet, we ain't CEOs yet. You wouldn't dream of commenting. What? That's what? a media first. Although, to be fair, I would retract my statement by saying that it won't mean much to the everyday media folk because ultimately if there's centralised access to tools, then that will benefit the day-to-day man depending on what tool it is um, i agree on that actually deep in the laboratories of wpp god knows what they've been working you on. don't want to know what we're cooking up anyway. <laughs> i was gonna say bookie knows what goes you don't on know down what there. we're cooking up in the ctv landscape according to an lg ad attention study ctv is now the uk's preferred method for watching live tv with UK TV viewership increasingly shifting away from linear TV. That sounds like complete bollocks. Well, interestingly, a recent report in the trade press claims that BVOD, Broadcast Video On Demand, services fail to add, quote, any material viewing time to media plans if they already <laughs> include linear TV and YouTube. Now, Jack, I know you have something to say uh, about wait, this. Wait, I'm Sorry. confused. Are you Hang sure on. that sounds... It sounds like I, complete nonsense. I think the second part sounds like nonsense. It sounds like bollocks because... Barb data literally still shows that the majority of TV is viewed live on a linear TV set because when you take a cross-section of the country, there are still a lot of people who who actually watch live. But if you go younger, if you go 16 to 34, then you start to see a lot more diversified viewing by platform and you have to take a more nuanced approach. But the thing that everyone in our industry forgets because everyone in our industry is uh, young like me, you know, sort of around the ages of sort of 20s, 30s. Oh, yeah. You forget the majority, like there's a significant portion of the country who are like sort of, you know, 
a bit older and have more traditional media habits. Okay. So, yeah, I I just, I don't buy that. Okay. In In the States, yeah. In that case, I do agree with you then on that one, because you're right. I'm not a big TV watcher like that. So when I read something like that, I was like, that kind of tracks. I only watch my TV on connected TV. I don't watch any linear TV. I don't even have the facilities to watch linear TV like that. Doesn't work. License police. Yeah, because I I don't have it. I I can't watch linear TV. It's got to be on... um, connected TV app or something. So when I read something like that, I was like, that kind of tracks. But you're right. We forget about a huge subset of the population who still watch TV in the olden ways. However, the, the second part is... <laughs> by shoveling coal into the back of it. Yeah, get the Winding it up. Yeah, get the generator going. I want to hear the wireless. <laughs> but the second part that you said, which was the study by people saying that if you have linear TV and YouTube... On your plan, there's no point in adding BVOD because you will get the same audience, which I think actually is a load of crap because I think those two audiences, I think they're very different. I think you have people that watch linear TV, but then you have, like like you just said, a, a huge subset of like younger people who will only watch connected TV and might not be that interested in YouTube. Like, what am I watching on YouTube? Like, not all that much. So you would actually miss, I think, a, a large group of people. I on think that. You, it also that there are two things with this. Um, oh, it's just classic, like, oh yeah, you just have to maximise reach, and that's all media planning is. It's not you're not professional Jenga players. With YouTube, the quality of inventory is vastly different to the quality of inventory that you get on a BVOD platform or live TV by comparison. People expect it, whereas I don't think there's anyone who's. And by the way, I think YouTube's brilliant. It's so effective, really? but it's so like it's sort of ingrained into us to be like, oh, for fuck's sake, I've got to try and skip this one or like, oh, it's a non-skip one, which then everyone gets annoyed about. Whereas, you know, if you're watching an all for it, you kind of, or, or Skyvod, you sort of expect that. I think there's also the fact that it overlooks the importance of, guess what? I'm reaching effective frequency on this, of frequency, because frequency and frequency build is how you actually get people to take action. Because... Half of like what you do when you try and maximize your one plus reach is because in doing that you will build frequency against the lower areas of your reach curve. So I just it's like but he by including B, he loves frequency. I mean, over and over yes, again. Well, thank you very much, Jack. Let's <laughs> do, you know what? do you know what? No, I will just quickly say it is actually refreshing because I think a lot of us coming into the industry, like myself, I'm a digital planner completely digital plan mm. never planned for like tv like that but all sorts of digital mm. i have planned that and know how to do that frequency i think when you guys are doing your tv stuff and your av stuff is so huge for mm. you guys so just shout out you man doing it's, that. it's it's important within digital as well but it just never gets because it's so hard to get deduplicated reach that means that you can never f- truly work out the frequency and, then we it's have, kind of, and we have so many other things that are possible to measure in digital people are literally like ah and therein lies the problem In other news, the ASA have investigated ad spots for Dove placed during Love Island on ITV2 and ITVX following complaints that it was inappropriate. As reported in Campaign, the Dove self-esteem project for Unilever combats body shaming via social media and that was considered inappropriate for younger audiences. Do you know what the ASA rules in terms of the decision? I know I strike you as someone who knows all the ASA ASA rules. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't actually know. They they came back in favour of Dove, didn't they? Furnish me. They did. 
Yeah. Well, it makes sense because it's Love Island's a program for for adults. If you're worried about what your kids are thinking and they're watching Love Island, then you probably need to sort your own house out before you start mm. throwing stones at Dove. Yeah, fair no? enough. Also, also <laughs> what you, what sorry, you, what, what you do you know what? Pass me my Dove soapbox. Like, <laughs> I just like I think it's it's always someone clutching their pearls, being like, "What about the children?" And it's like it's <laughs> all smoking uh, their just... pipe. But one thing I, w- I would say on this one. The thing that I found probably a little bit jarring about this is because it's a health-related concern. And if this was any other health-related concern, like let's say, not say not Dove, but a, a relevant brand had put out a PSA warning about cancer or COVID or something that was also related to, me, let's just say those things could be influenced by social media. They can't, but for argument's sake, if they had put something out saying warning against that, no one would be saying anything. So I'm literally, I'm, so in my head, I'm thinking to your point, who was making that complaint? Why are you making that complaint? And because I think anyone who was affected by the kind of issues that were talked about in that advert, I don't think those are the is same it, people making those complaints because it, they much more would it like for those things to be eradicated at the source. Is it the one with the young blonde girl who's yes. like, who, yeah, yeah, who gets like sort of an eating disorder? I mean, that it's a very emotional like ad and it's like maybe it just speaks volumes that the person wasn't able to process those emotions and thought well it shouldn't be on telly because i feel uncomfortable yeah well either way the essay ruled in favor of unilever on all counts so bravo there we go it was a happy ending anyway sorry i'm all for brands if you can have a positive impact on you know society and the world i'm all for that sell your soap no i will anyway (laughs) i will and that's how i'll sell it and make sure everyone's good too No, no you're right we should all do good Now, we've finally passed that time in the year where consumers are conditioned to await retailers promoting significant discounts, giving us media folk a headache. Yes, that's right, we've survived another black hole of Black Friday. Now, we have a few quiz questions relating to Black Friday and consumer spending based on last year's results and this year's so far. And we'll also review some predictions that Jack made and discuss whether they were accurate or not. Question one. Recent UK research states that consumers plan to spend an average of how much during Black Friday and Cyber Monday this year? Hint, it's a 31% reduction from 2021. £163. I'm going to say 185. Bloody hell, guys. That was a very good guess. It was 189. Come on, off the booth. Let's go. Oh, my God. Well done, Vicky. Maybe in the nice part of town where Bookie lives. (laughs) You mean Shepherd's Bush? Let's go. <laughs> it's Shea Boo. <laughs> Me and Shea Boo. <laughs> okay. Question two. According to a Forbes article last year, how many US dollars were spent on a single hour of Cyber Week last year? A si- as, like amongst everyone. Every, like cumulatively. Yes. Uh, in an hour, I'm going for 10.63 million dollars okay Vicky what do you think oh I'm gonna say like 50 million dollars it I was 700 well I'm no no I've already I think said I'm it. gonna say 735 <laughs> 768 million, million oh, which low. is which is a lot question three last year Adobe reported on Black Friday Cyber Monday breaking what record the land speed record <laughs> No. No? Okay. Uh, the global commerce 
record. Yes. What? Yes, you're right. E-commerce, re- well, <laughs> e-commerce online spending, okay, which was yeah. in, in the billions. Wow, that was close. So, um, Interesting. Yeah. Blimey. That yeah, just so goes get, to show we're that we're doing stuff. It keeps growing. Right, yeah. Also, is that down to inflation, though? I don't know. No, no, not necessarily. We won't go into the economics of it. Question four. (laughs) According to Adobe Analytics, what specific revenue service rose 88% last year? Klarna. PayPal. Well, Jack, you're kind of right in the sense that it's a buy now, pay later Uh, service. Result. It's 2-2. So now we think about this year. And I don't know. First of all, did you guys do much planning for, for Black Friday with your clients? Well, it's, I mean, I suppose you asked like our brands, but like within my company that we have uh, Abbott Lyon, who've just like had a, like a big AV plan that was all leading up towards um, Black Friday. And guess what? It was all planned about around reaching a optimum level of frequency by Black Friday. So that people buy. I, I believe that they've had a very successful time. So I think there's still a way of gearing people towards it. But the thing that you have to watch with it is like, Sale is going after volume of sales at a discounted rate, and you you sell you know absolutely stacks. Maybe get some new customers, but a massive discount, and so you actually smash your margins up, and you don't make any money. Yeah, people then stop buying; they'll just wait for that. Because I think that's one of the things that Nando's does. They never ever do a discount because they were like, then people will just wait until there's a discount and then they will buy. So in terms of the planning of their pricing, their pricing model, all of that kind of stuff, they would rather give you a free Nando's or a full price Nando's, but there's none in between. So I do wonder, because like you said, you worked on some of of that stuff last year, but I think a couple of things are at play where some consumers are getting a little bit more savvy in that they are knowing that these deals aren't as good as they say mm. they are. They're just slapping a thing saying Black Friday on there yeah. when it's actually not. 27% in the Ex- UK. Exactly. Something like that. And then also... No, it's uh, exactly that. Wait. <laughs> well, it's exactly 27%. Yeah, yeah. Exactly well, that. According to you guys. We, we've got a quiz question in relation to this. According to research by credit firm Klarna, okay. what was the average discount on items on sale this year? Oh, the average discount. Uh, I'm going to go for... 34%. I'm going to say 27%. Okay, I feel like this is a misleading answer because the answer is 1.5% compared Thanks. with August discounts. They're, they're, compared they're to their summer. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Excited all of these brands, they have sales out. all the time. The summer sale, the Boxing Day sale. I'm all excited Christmas about sale, finding out if my percentage guess was the right guess. And here I am being shot out of the sky. Yeah, you are. But way. anyway, I think we want to use the last few few minutes to talk about Jack's predictions. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me again? Because well, so I've, I've, I've left my crystal ball in my bag. Uh, well, we've got the predictions here. It's freshly so, polished. Prediction one, Jack's prediction. Black Friday will shrink this year because people are wise to the promotion tactics. What, what, what that's what I, you said that's what that you is, said yeah, that's yeah, your I'm, words yeah I'm like sounds wise like <laughs> someone's clearly wise there so according to the Guardian there was a, a UK sales slump or it was a bit sluggish yeah I don't think that was necessarily the promotion tactics no no I don't I, yeah maybe it's not because of that I think a lot of it's due to the macroeconomic factors of everyone's absolutely skint you know and we don't have the, the money to be absolutely smashing it on on deals and that Prediction two, participation won't shrink significantly, but the amount spent will. By 30, what was it, 30-something percent? You'd actually... Well, yeah, well remembered, wow. Jack. Yes, yeah, that was, you were right. You that was a 31% reduction from 21. So a 31... Okay, so things have fallen by 30, 31%. Wow, so 
Score one for Jack's magical Palantir of media. Well done. Guessing. And then prediction three, the tech giants will win whilst legacy retailers lose. On this point, Meta did win the battle for, for Black Friday ad spend in the yeah. UK. It was reported that they had a 65% share of wallet versus 45% last year. Do you know what, though? I, I do wonder, like, when people pour the budget into the sort of your, your conversion algorithm stuff that is basically just trying to drive performance, are you converting the people who would have who would have gone to buy from you anyway? Low hanging fruit, baby. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit like... It goes to show that that's, that's exactly what happens, isn't it? People go, oh, we've got some budget. We've got to pour it into something that's going to be really attributable to something. And it's, you know, you're talking about the trackable metrics, Bookie. It's like where we can track the last click or whatever. So that's fine. Which hopefully if you've got a conversion campaign worth its sort, it won't be set up to just have last click attribution. Google's share of ad spend reduced significantly, apparently. In Did the it? weeks leading up to Black Friday. Interesting. So... Yes. What, because people are getting wise to just pouring budget into search? Well, potentially. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what, what happens next year and also kind of what these results will do for media budgets ahead of November 24. It's, it's a tricky one, though, because, I mean, one of the other things that I said about in the article, which I thought was quite interesting, is like the fact that John Lewis is sort of like this very searched for brand when you go into the, the Google search trends analysis and look at who are the most associated with black friday it's like curry's pc world amazon obviously but then also john lewis and john lewis this like formerly very kind of associated with value brand where it's not necessarily that they're cheap but they are kind of never knowingly undersold and all this kind of thing and people used to have that perception that's now declined massively if you look at like their brand index data and you think they're doing that classic thing that marketing teams will tend to do when you start to get into this death spiral of like Right, the sales are declining, the brand perception's declining. So you know that meme where the guy's got like the tape and he's slapping it over the water that's coming out of the big tube? Yes. Yeah. No that idea. I'll, I'll show you it after the show. Took me a moment. But, like, it, that, it, that's yeah. basically like the sales things that they try to apply. Putting a bandage on an yeah, yeah. arm. And it's like, yeah, okay, we're, gonna, we're not fixing the pipe. We're just wrapping it up in something. All that that does is it trains people, like you just like you were saying, Bucky, that trains people to wait for the sales periods before they're actually buying, rather than. And so I think they're going to be damaging the overall quality perceptions of the brand. Honestly, I, I agree, and I think if they actually stuck hard to that, stuck fast to that, and started to enhance the experience of their customers in different ways, start working on some of those brand building activities instead of just kind of jumping onto some of this Black Friday stuff that works with brands like Amazon because, you know, they're the ones who really perpetuated that. I mean, it was a big thing, but they really kind of drove that international and they made sure that you didn't have to go out of your house to participate in that. They don't want to try and rival Amazon in Amazon's playground when you could actually be like touching the audience, touching your... Um, <laughs> You'll be touching course. the audience. Come here. Reaching yeah. your audience in more authentic ways and getting across your brand value so people value them in the way that they should be. Yeah. I think they would win if they wanted to do that, but it's scary. I know it, it also, it speaks to... There's loads of industries that get affected by like periodical sales and like the promotion cycle you get brought into. Two random ones that spring to mind... One, when I used to work on Homebase, like the lifeblood of those kind of major DIY retailers is like things like kitchens and bathrooms. People have been trained. You don't buy a kitchen there at full price. You wait until January or, you know, or Easter or one of those weekends where it gets discounted. Once you've got people trained into doing that because they're thinking, oh, I can get one for much cheaper then rather than being like, I'll go there because it's like quality. 
you know, that that's when it really starts to become difficult to drive the sales outside of those periods. And then also it's the same thing, like, which is something that's way more of a regular purchase, but like when you go and buy like the big bags of crisps to like share or to just eat like a little pig boy at home. <laughs> um, like you look at the ones that are on promotion, thing. but like I know that there was a talk recently at like Adweek about Tyrrells and like how they managed to swing themselves out of this like cycle of just being like the brand where they're shifting loads, but it's, you know, cheaper and cheaper and cheaper by reinvesting in the brand. They're able to maintain that kind of price point. And this is what John Lewis used to do. And it died a little bit of a death because they kept sticking to the same thing. And now they're sort of arsing about with Venus fly traps and stuff. But we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> well, to point. round the Black Friday combo up, um, there were a few winners and losers um, in terms of online traffic driving. Um, one winner was one of Bite Dance's companies one, yeah traffic went up considerably sephora by 132 percent losers interestingly a lot of fashion brands pretty little thing minus 45 percent asos minus 43 percent and also argos at minus 31 percent so asos is very interesting actually because i was reading something recently about how they were very focused on their performance, uh, performance activity. So they didn't mm. really care. Like the minute you went onto ASOS, every advert you got was very well tailored because it was exactly what you were looking at. But you knew that once you went onto ASOS, you're not going to get any other adverts for like a week. And they were very, very performance um, activity dominated. They've just announced in response to people like Sheen, they have a 30 million pound budget, I think, to just do cool stuff. So almost like we're saying... They've had to come back from this kind of promotion-driven uh, tactics and they want to go into brand building and they want people to understand who they are as a brand and why they should be chosen because half their stuff, you can buy on Sheen for half the price. And so that's the same kind of cycle we're seeing a John Lewis in. It's so funny, like all the brands that were kind of new brands when we were just literally just a few years ago, they're actually turning into these legacy brands. Meta legacy brand, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah. ASOS legacy brand, when you're looking at Sheen, when you're looking at all of these lot. So it's interesting to see how they are now dealing with being the legacy brands instead of the challenger and new startup brands. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello, media and on. Okay, so I'll go with the first two here. I'm fresh out of uni and this is my first proper job. I've never been to a work event or anything similar at our office and our office Christmas party is right around the corner. Uh -oh. From what I've heard, these tend to get messy. Just looking for some advice as I really get on with my team and I would happily get drunk with them. But is it OK to get drunk at a Christmas party? This is a very professional answer. Before you go to the party, there should be an email that comes through from your company, which has like a party code of conduct thing. <laughs> Since when? Well, well we, we we get one, so you need to read that. You have to read it and recite the party code in order to get in. <laughs> yeah, read ladies. that and ensure and ensure you know. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. <laughs> now, look, I, look. I think this is a great question. I'm well aware of the irony of me offering advice on how to not <laughs> go too far at Christmas party. But I think if you're concerned about it, my two tips: get yourself down to Burger King or something beforehand. Don't, if you go on lunch, that's a dangerous slope because you'll be you'll be well and truly merry from lunchtime and you don't like if you can avoid that do go and make sure you've got something in your stomach don't go in an empty stomach and if you do 
find where the canapes are coming from and just absolutely get on those. Stand on the door. And then also just make sure you, you drink some water while you're there. It's all stuff your mum would tell you, but like... But you should also follow all those kinds of other pieces of advice about taking things from strange people that you don't necessarily know because they might not have your best interests at heart. I would add to that. I think that's a very fantastic roundup. Just remember, these are not your friends. Like, as pally as you feel like you can be, these are still your colleagues. And, like, you can do whatever you want. You can get as drunk as you want with your friends because you don't have to, like, work five days a week with them and then be really professional and then expect them to take you seriously. But this is your workplace. Yes, you can have a drink if that's what you'd like to do. But just remember, you still need to be able to look these people in the eye and expect them to take you seriously on Monday. Remember, your clothes must stay on (laughs) and you should not be getting with someone that you work with, no matter how much... The urge grips you. I swear this is contradictory to the advice we've given in previous episodes about work office romance. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely is. But there are this is specific advice about like how do I stay out of trouble? And the f- and my no, first like, one. You, Just gonna, read yeah, the code the of conduct. One. It's the first <laughs> one you don't want to do that. And also, especially if they're more senior, because they will cut and run. Mm-hmm. I guarantee it. Like, let's say something got out of hand. There's someone overhearing this on Monday. Mm. Hilarious. I'm having a great time. I can't believe that happened at the Christmas party. Oh. But because you asked the question question stay safe also also um if you see a photo booth don't, don't take go in there. any photos in everyone in everyone there. listening will know what, who i'm talking about the aol parties back in the day do not do anything that you wouldn't want sent around everyone because sometimes those photos are not vetted and they go straight out there's all sorts that happens off the back of it just keep it keep it pg folks all right number two i'm getting married at the start of the year and was planning a long honeymoon for the summer for context my fiance and i haven't left the uk since 2019 as we've been saving for a house and the wedding my line manager however has said i can't have more than two weeks off bare exclamation marks I've checked our HR policy and it says it's down to the manager's discretion. But I think she's being really unfair. Uh, honey, uh, right, so I... Recently got married. I yeah, recently know, got married Jack. and been on honeymoon. I think that with this sort of thing, if your line manager said no and you've, you've sort of petitioned them, like, please, is there some sort of like agreement you can come to whereby you just work like one or two like a monday and tuesday on the third week or something which is thoroughly miserable so don't do that but like there must be some sort of way around or just go to their boss and be like please i'm yeah i'm saying i'm actually i'm jarred if i'm gonna be honest i'm absolutely jarred like why are you being so rude firstly like I doubt if this person hasn't literally left the country since 2019. Like the boss I, may not know that though. Not that I'm saying that it's the right thing. I, I, I think totally the boss, support I think the boss this does, media anonymous person's decision. If they're going to tell us that, frustration. I'm pretty sure they've told their boss that. There's no way they're going to yeah, come to us yeah. and, not, and not have given all that information. I do think that equity versus equality, like that's three. What year are we in? Oh my gosh! Like four years. Haven't left the country. Haven't done anything yeah. like that. I think it's actually quite unfair. And if that's me and I've genuinely begged you, firstly, I'm going to ask you why. That's what we don't have right now. Why has the boss said no? Is the boss just said two weeks is it? Or is the boss said, well, actually, we've got such and such deadline on that day. We've got but such if, and such. If it's for the middle of next year, then that's so plenty of notice. Harriet, you're, you're, you look like you've that's got why I'm boss, boss. No, no, I, I, I totally understand the frustration. And I, I would be frustrated too if it was like a, a no answer. Mm. But I think if that was me in the situation, I've been told no, then I'd do what I can to be like, okay, well, you've said no. I've proactively 
actively gone and tried to identify what's happened or what's happening at that period. I've got X, Y and Z people that I know will be able to cover and here you go. This is my Mm -hmm. argument to say yes to And I'm going to your boss because you're being a snake. And if that doesn't work, see what they're doing at the Christmas party (laughs) and just stay one drink behind them. I'm not saying to blackmail, but... (laughs) Those things can really get that get that mm. negotiation going, you know. But just to finish up on that, ask them why. Come back with uh, any solutions to their why, and if not, potentially engage a little bit higher up the food chain because that is a very jarring thing for next year to be denied more than two week holiday for yeah. your honeymoon. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a special time, and and you know life is short, so let's go, baby. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> what wow. Jack? Oh. <laughs> What a, what what a note to that? end on. <laughs> life, life is short. That wraps up today's episode. If you like what you heard, like and subscribe. And if you were really bored without Charlie, don't worry, there will be one coming soon. Read the show notes and submit media and ons. Wow. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>